the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt, on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And later, you'll see us on Apple Podcasts or TalkLawRadio.com. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar of Texas wants attorneys to inform the public about the law But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, and new businesses and old businesses which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in lawsuits. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing and failing to do your will. Please help Gary Jewell, Richard J. Garcia, and me give good information about tax and charitable giving law today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we're talking about tax and charitable planning, and I'll introduce Richard J. Garcia, who has been on the show two times before, so he's a veteran at this, and uh, he will be giving us good information about tax taxes today. Uh, you might remember that Richard is a 1985 graduate of the University of Incarnate Word with a bachelor's and business administration, in accounting, and computer information systems. He uh, got his license to be a certified public accountant in 1994, and his experience in accounting, tax, and payroll uh, helps him give good information to uh, the citizens of San Antonio in both uh, personal income tax and business tax for small and medium-sized businesses. Um, He's an avid Winston Churchill high school football fan. He's a musician. He plays guitar. He plays the ukulele. Uh, He even played ukulele on our show. And uh, he's a proud parent and adoring husband. Uh, He also plays chess and has hosted uh, and participated in chess tournaments for for kids around the city. So welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you for having me. We'll be talking uh, tax with you. 
Uh, let me introduce our other guest, uh, uh, Gary Jewell. Gary is a legacy giving consultant for Legacy Deo. Legacy Deo is a public charity that accepts contributions and administers trusts and endowment funds. Legacy Deo is a professional trustee that can manage your trust assets and make your trust distributions to your beneficiaries. Legacy Deo helps Christian ministries sustain and flourish by educating people about estate plans, legacy gifts, and steward, stewardship of financial resources. Legacy Deo supports charitable giving that benefits all types of Christian and humanitarian causes. It offers its services to the entire Christian community, believing that all of God's people benefit from them regardless of denominational affinity. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. It's good to be here. Okay, so what gave me the idea to have you both on at the same time was uh, President Biden's proposal to uh, transition the capital gains tax over to an ordinary income tax. You've heard of it, right? Very little, actually. Okay. Yes, somewhat. And a couple of days ago, the House of Representatives uh, passed a, a, a budget And so I think we're going to be hearing about it even more. And if uh, the listeners are interested in uh, whether the capital gains tax should continue its favorable uh, rate over an ordinary income tax, you might want to contact your your, uh, House of Representatives um, or your senator. Okay, so... We're going to be talking about tax and charitable planning. First, we're going to be talking about taxes on appreciated assets. So, Gary, tell us a little bit about your background as a certified financial planner, and then tell us about appreciated assets. Okay. Thank you, Todd. Uh, Actually, my business career started uh, 50 years ago. So I haven't been a CFP that whole time. I spent uh, almost 29 years with Southwestern Bell, SBC, AT&T, and then uh, became a financial consultant doing individual financial planning and then had an opportunity to work for a charitable foundation helping people with planned giving. And... uh, during the course of, of that time, I became a CFP and really have just loved being able to help people sort through their overall, uh, really, estate plan situation, uh, figure out what they're, what they're going to do when the Lord calls them home. Uh, I meant to say in my introduction that, that I had known you since 2004, I think. Yep. Um, back then, you were a financial consultant for Thrivent Financial. Correct. And I wanted to say, too, that one of the favorite things about you is that you do your planning with the precision of an engineer. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, my undergraduate was in electrical engineering and computer science at the University of Illinois. And uh, so I do like spreadsheets. Numbers are my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. A little strange, but, uh, yeah, I I do like to do that. And hopefully, uh, along with my colleagues at Legacy Deo, provide education and options for people about planned giving. And part of planned giving starts when people notice they have appreciated assets. Yes. Uh, So appreciated assets are, are really pretty easy to understand. That's what... One of the things that we do, and I'm sure Richard would agree with this, it, we, we, we tend to use a lot of technical-sounding terms when dealing with things like planning and accountancy and that sort of thing. But the easiest way to think of it is if you bought a house a number of years ago, uh, it's probably worth more now than it was when you bought it. Therefore, it's appreciated in value. Mm-hmm. And so if you bought a house for $100,000 and it's now worth 150, you have $50,000 of capital gains. And as long as you don't sell the house 
or sell whatever asset it is, you don't have to do anything about that. You just enjoy the fact that those that those gains have appreciated. But at some point, when you when you sell the asset, whatever it might be, stocks, bonds, uh, etc., then you have to um, talk to the IRS. Yeah. And, and so we'll we'll pick up on that. That's a good segue to Richard uh, after the break. Richard will tell us about uh, the tax consequences of uh, what happens when an asset is sold. So stay with us. Stay tuned. We're talking about tax and charitable planning on Talk Law Radio. We'll be right back. able to care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, talking about tax and charitable planning today. And with me is Gary Jewell and Richard J. Garcia. We were just introducing the topic of appreciated assets. And so uh, Richard is going to tell us about how that has tax consequences sometimes. Right. So if you have an asset, uh, whether it's a house or whether it's stocks or whether it's a bonds, uh, hopefully it becomes worth more over time. And so let's take the, uh, the the issue with the house. So it can go a couple of different ways. If you hold on to it 11 months and you decide to sell it, well, that's going to be considered a, a short-term type of, uh, of transaction. And so uh, whether you make money or whether you lose money, you're gonna, it's going to have a, it's going to be taxed at your ordinary tax rate. Now there's favorable treatment if it's a long-term, so greater than a year. And so we can also get into if it's your homestead, then we can talk about the exclusion there that's available to uh, single uh, single owners or, mm-hmm. or married filing joint. But uh, there's some ways to be able to save on that. If you're an investor and you hold it over a year, well, that's going to have a different tax treatment on that. So it just depends on your situation as how it's going to be held. And then, of course, if you decide to donate uh, an appreciated asset, it still has another type of, of uh, consequence to that, which is a right. favorable one for you because you're not going to be taxed on it, um, on that donated uh, amount. And you be, you'll be able to deduct it at the appreciated amount. So great, uh, great news in there. Gary, why don't you pick up from there and tell us uh, why would somebody want to donate an appreciated asset to charity? Sure. Um, appreciated assets, and, and Richard just alluded to it, has a, a big attraction. So if you go back to thinking about an asset that's stock and you uh, bought it for a dollar and it's now worth $10, you have $9 of gain. If you sell that you have to, even if it's taxed at a capital gains rate, you still have to pay tax on the sale, assuming it's gained. But if you give the stock to a charity of your choice, then because the charity is likely operating under an IRS provision that allows them to not pay, to legally not pay tax, uh, then the full value of that security is realized by the charitable organization when they sell it. And you didn't pay tax. You get to write off, uh, as Richard mentioned, the full amount, the full market value of the amount of the asset on the the day that you made the gift. And the charity gets to sell it and not realize any tax. So it's it's a way of passing an asset with 100% of the value going to the charity. Richard, can you talk about what the capital gains tax rate is? 
I can. Now, the, the thing is, is the capital rates tax has, has changed over the years with, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you get different uh, lawmakers in office. So it used to be a set amount um, if you held it long term greater than a year. But now it, it, it actually has different buckets. So you could, depending on whether you're filing as, as a single, as married, um, uh, there's different income levels uh, um, uh, for each of those, but it can be at 0%, it can be all the way up to 20%, and it just depends on all of your income that you make, including that particular item that you're talking about uh, selling, uh, to determine what, uh, what the rate is going to be applied to that particular capital asset. Yeah, so it could be 15%, it could be 20%. Could be then, zero, yeah. And then you start talking about the, uh, the, the Medicare tax on top of that. So um, why do you guys think that Congress uh, had a, a reduced rate for capital gains? Well, I think they, I think they wanted really to encourage charitable giving. And, and that's what led them to uh, be able to treat that asset uh, as at a lower tax rate or to uh, be able to let you give it with no tax. I think they also wanted to encourage investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so by uh, having a lower capital gains tax, then businesses could buy capital assets and not worry about as much taxation. So it was to encourage in business investment and uh, to encourage charitable giving. And to invest right. long term, right? I would imagine right. so. That, that just makes sense. Uh, you don't want to have a, a society that is dependent on the government to provide for them. And so this is a way where they can just be able to put away put away, put away so that when they need it and, and they decide ultimately to retire, there'll be something there for them. Right, right. Okay, so going back to uh, my idea for the show, uh, why uh, President Biden would want to have, a, uh, would want to change this now um, from a, a capital gains, more of a preferred rate um, to an ordinary tax, um, What's going to happen if if that gets passed and and becomes law? Do you think that maybe go ahead, Richard? Well, you're talking about taking away an incentive that they'd have had to do these things, and mm-hmm. so if the incentive moves away, then the people that uh, liked liked the favorable treatment of that uh, may do something different with their money. Uh, why, why should I? Why should I pay at this rate when I'll look for an alternative somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, we we could get run off into a political discussion ditch, which we're not going to do. Uh, but the the government is, I think, always looking for sources of income. The government doesn't generate any income; they just they get income by taxing, and so. One one thing that's been proposed is that there would be the uh, the elimination of the capital favorable capital gains rate for people who make over a million dollars, and you might think, well, gosh, that's not me. But even th- that act alone could impact on uh, more common investors because, for example, there is some concern that if if the capital gains rate is raised for people who make over a million dollars, it could have a negative impact on the stock market, which could include everybody who invests in IRAs and 401ks and that type of thing. So it can have a much broader impact than just on people that make over a million. But but the proposal is that it would raise the favorable treatment from 20% to 39.6% taxation. So mm-hmm. and effectively take it to the highest uh, ordinary income tax rate. So uh, that, I think, could uh, change the way people think about holding assets. They may not be so incented to invest long-term because there's no value to them in investing long-term. And it might not always apply to only people that earn more than a million a year. Right. You know, the next time Congress meets, they could lower that to 
five hundred thousand, then they could lower it again, you know, so that eventually it applies to everybody. Right. Okay, so keep an eye on that if you're watching or listening. Uh, President Biden's proposal to uh, transition the capital gains tax rate over to an ordinary income tax rate and how that might affect you today, tomorrow, five years from now, ten years from now, uh, how the ripple effect might reach you even though you don't earn a million dollars a year in annual income. Okay, so let's talk more about Let's say it does happen, and okay. and those investors um, are facing a 39.6 tax rate. Um, they might want to um, get away from that. <laughs> if if I have this capital asset, uh, I'm going to have to do something with it sometime. Um, what are some ways of uh, using charitable giving to uh, maybe help two things at once? Yeah, so I, I think it could have an impact uh, positively on charitable giving because uh, assuming there's there's no change in taxation around charitable organizations, then instead of uh, selling that asset, it could be donated. And then instead of avoiding tax at 20%, the donor is avoiding tax on 39.6%. Uh, of the gain, so that's a could have a significant positive impact on on charitable giving. You mentioned IRAs and and how regular people working uh, today use that to save for the retirement. Right. Uh, also, four hundred one ks can can be converted into an IRA later. Uh, there's a way of uh, giving from your IRA to charities, isn't there? Yes. Yes, there is. Uh, it's, I, I believe what you're referring to, Todd, is something that's called a Qualified Charitable Distribution, uh, abbreviated a QCD. And essentially what that does is it allows a donor who is charitably inclined to move money uh, directly from their IRA to charity on a what's called a trustee to trustee transfer, and so then the 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 donor, the prospective donor, can contact their trustee and say, "I want to make a uh, you know pick pick a number up to a hundred thousand. The law provides for moving up to a hundred thousand dollars a year from your IRA to a charity. So you could say, "Well, I want to make a fifty thousand dollar gift, and I want it to go to the X Y Z charity," and your trustee will then be able to make that transfer directly to charity. What that means is you don't take possession of the funds and have to claim it on your income tax and then take a charitable deduction for it. You simply have the trustee move it directly to the to the charity. And it's extremely it's really extremely easy to do, you know, again, it's terminology that oh, you're moving something trustee to trustee and that sounds all complicated. It's really not. I mean, personally, I've done it. I know many people who have done it, uh, and and the funds flow smoothly and easily to wherever you want them to go. When you say trustee, it doesn't really mean that you have a trust. It just that's the term that the IRA administrator uses when when they're talking about handling your money. Correct. Right? Yes. Yep. That's yeah. Good. Good clarification. The. The person that handles your money is acting as a trustee, therefore it's called a trustee-to-trustee transfer. Right, right. Richard, are there any tax impact there that you can weigh in on? Well, I mean, he's talking about a tax-free way, and here's a, a benefit. Sometimes what happens is people are not properly informed, and so they've reached this age, uh, I believe it's 70 and a half, uh, they've reached this age, and then uh, when they meet with their preparer, uh, there's a there's a line there that they got penalized, and they don't understand that because it wasn't uh, maybe it was they were informed about it, but they didn't truly uh, know how it worked. Where you have to take required minimum distributions, and so this this solves that problem so that they don't get hit for that penalty of not 
taking out those withdrawals. So you've been saving all this time, and at some t- at some point, yeah, the IRS wants it, wants a taste. So that's their way of saying <laughs> you need to start doing something with it. We need to start seeing some money from you. Yes. Yeah, IRAs are a way to save for retirement tax-free, right? Well, the term I prefer is tax-deferred. Tax-deferred. Because you eventually have to pay tax at ordinary income when you take it out. Mm-hmm. So, But it can grow many years tax-deferred. And uh, the compounding effect of that in an, in an IRA or a 401k or 403b are um, tremendous. And so very good investment tool. Did you ever hear that uh, Einstein was quoted as saying, uh, what's the most powerful force in the universe? He said, compound interest. <laughs> I, I had not heard that. Oh, really? I'm going to store that away. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. We got to take a break. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Gary Jewell and Richard J. Garcia talking about tax and charitable planning. Before the break, we were talking about IRAs and uh, we discovered um, some inconsistencies in the Internal Revenue Code. And so uh, I wanted to ask uh, Gary to clarify that a little bit, how how the IRA works and when you have to take uh, minimum required distributions, when you're allowed to defer that to, and then go back to the QCD again. Okay. Thank you, Todd. So up until the SECURE Act, which I'm not going to go into what that stands for when it was passed, but suffice it to say that now uh, a person is not required to take a distribution or I, I actually like to use the word mandatory just because it, it, it's a bit more, you know, kind of like sounds like a hammer. You know, right. It's mandatory that you do this. Uh, at eight, You are required to take a distribution. It's mandatory at age 72. It used to be 70 and a half. However, uh, Congress, for some reason, elected to leave the 70 and a half uh, age in for the QCD so that we were just talking about. So you can make a QCD, that qualified charitable distribution, at age 70 and a half, the trustee-to-trustee transfer, but you're not required to take money out of your IRA until you're 72. So, and, and Richard referred to it kind of catching people by surprise because if they don't stay in touch with what their requirements are, they may get uh, a penalty, and it's pretty severe. It's check me on this, but I think it's fifty percent of what you're required to take out. If you if you don't take it out, the IRS has a pretty severe penalty. So you don't want to miss that time frame. But the important thing is that you, if you don't need that money, you can send part of it to your favorite charity and. You don't have to take possession of it. You don't have to account for it. So how would you uh, respond to that, uh, Richard? What do you think about the uh, using the QCD at that point? Well, I mean, you're facing a penalty, which gets you no deduction. It's just, bam, I'm going to smack you across the head. So I, I, I don't really enjoy that. So I, I would rather be able to do something where I can control the action uh, of where what, what's going to happen to my money. So uh, this just in, increases the need to be able to talk to your investment professional, to, to speak with your tax professional. Uh, and if you choose to do that yourself, that's fine, but educate yourself. There are some wonderful books out there that come out every year, and the IRS has uh, publications that you can read up on too uh, so that you can see what changes are, are occurring. It may be more than what you want to know. Uh, so you're going to have to you have to do quite a bit of research, mm-hmm. but uh, – but you can get there. And the IRS also has a great website, irs.gov, that you can put in keyword searches to help winnow, winnow your way through there. So that would be a deduction, uh, a type of deduction, the, the way a normal person would think of not having to pay tax on it. But that's only for IRAs. So l- let's talk about 
how charitable deductions used to be before President Trump and the SECURE Act, and how has that changed now when it comes to making charitable deductions of just regular money, like, say, uh, money that I've earned from my job that I've already paid income tax on, and I just want to make a donation. How is that different now? Well, in in the past, uh, what you would do is if you could be able to uh, utilize an itemized deduction on Schedule A as an apple, uh, then you'd put that in there with your with your cash contributions, with your non-cash contributions, and then there's other things on that form that really don't pertain to this discussion today. Uh, and so you would be able to take that there. But with the tax law change, now what they've done is they've done away with the uh, with the personal exemptions, and they increased the standard deduction. I believe it was a, a, with a good interest at heart, which was to make things simpler for tax filers to be able to take it. You know what? It's it's an extra form. We'll just give it to you. We tend to see um, the upper limits on what people usually itemize at, and so we're going to give you the standard amount so that you can uh, sidestep that, and to I think to make it easier to prepare a tax return. Uh, so what happens to the people that uh, did like to give and now they've been disincentivized uh, with the uh, uh, losing out on that charitable contribution deduction? So with the, with the new law now, they have a, on the first page of your 1040, they have a, up to $300 on cash contributions. I said cash. Cash contributions where you can take that as a subtract uh, and still take the standard deduction. So so that's the, the new uh, law of the land. I've seen fewer people um, on on the returns that I processed uh, these uh, with, with the changes. I've seen a few people able to qualify to be able to actually itemize now the, than I had before. So um, I guess what they intended is working. Oh, I wanted to ask you, this isn't part of our outline, um, but you have some deadlines coming up, and so I thought you might want to mention it on the air just to remind people that they need to get their stuff in order. Sure. For individuals, um, if you filed an extension uh, by by the due date, um, and I'm not even going to talk about the, the winter weather <laughs> where it affected Texas, Oklahoma, Please. Louisiana, uh, that was June 15th. Uh, they had moved it up for everybody to May 15th. The extension now takes us, uh, will take us through to October 15th. But if you operate a business uh, with a partnership or a, a corporation, that also uh, has a deadline coming up very, very soon. I'm supposed to be in the office right now, but I, I do like gabbing. So, um, so that's coming up on September the 15th. What happens if you miss it by a day? Uh, don't worry about it because the IRS will slap you on the hand and they'll fine you. So, so you don't want to pay a fine. I wanted to come back to what you said about a cash contribution to charity. Um, there's other ways of donating to charity besides cash and besides stock. Gary, why don't you say something about that? Because people may not know about their other options of giving things to charity. Right. So um, before we go there, Todd, I, I wanted to pick up on what Richard okay, was sure. talking about right before the break with the um, – and, and I want to tie his comment in about people having a, a higher standard deduction now, which was intended to be a good thing. But it may make donors who don't have enough deductions – that are high. The standard deduction now for a couple filing jointly is twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollars, and so for for a a person, you know, just kind of living down the street, getting twenty seven thousand dollars in exemptions where they can actually file the Schedule A that Richard mentioned, that's quite a bit. So they're going to be taking that standard deduction, but now I don't get to take off my my charitable donation that I used mm-hmm. to make. Well, if you're 70 and a half or 72 and you want to make a $1,000 gift to a charity, you can still use that QCD. You don't have to pay any tax on it because you didn't have to recognize mm-hmm. it on your income tax return. So I, I, I think I'm just wanting to reemphasize the value of the QCD to an ordinary investor, an ordinary income earner, somebody that doesn't exceed the standard deduction in terms of what they could otherwise take off, 
they, they can still feel good about making that gift out of their IRA because they it has no tax consequence to them. Right. And it's a, it's a really good thing. And fortunately, we've, we have uh, the opportunity to educate people. That's part of what we do at Legacy Day. Whenever we go out and talk to organizations, we're always talking about that because it benefits church, benefits churches, charities. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a heart association or whoever it is. It applies. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes uh, a lot of sense to reiterate. Yep. So, My other question was about what else can you donate besides cash, besides IRA money? Sure. So uh, we've we touched on this a little bit, but appreciated securities. Fortunately, I think we're at a point now, and we've recovered, uh, recovering through the pandemic that the the stock market is doing pretty well overall, that we probably have appreciated stock. And stock is a great gift that can be given. And I'm saying stock kind of on a broad basis. It mutual could be Mutual funds, funds as well, mm-hmm. right. So that's a lot of people in mutual funds. You can give the certificates. They can be, they can be trans- ownership transferred to the charity. The charity can then liquidate that stock. No taxation. The individual doesn't owe tax. The charity doesn't owe tax. The only one that loses in that is IRS, I guess. I don't know. It's probably not a bad thing. So other things, um, other things that we get uh, involved in a lot in the foundation in Land. Legacy Deo is real estate. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, real estate is people have you know farms, ranches, houses, vacation homes. I mean, you name it. Uh, any any kind of real estate and it makes a great gift we help facilitate the assessment of that the transfer of it to the charity you have to get it uh, appraised we assist with that so i mean that's a wonderful way for people to move highly appreciated assets and there are some ways of enjoying the asset for the rest of your life and then making the transfer upon death. We'll talk about that. Sounds that sounds like a subject for after the break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll come back, talk about that after the break. So stay tuned. care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Gary Jewell and Richard J. Garcia talking about taxes and charitable planning. Um, We were talking about um, giving away assets that um, are not cash, like uh, real estate. And then I mentioned, well, you might be able to enjoy it for the rest of your life and then make the transfer effective upon death. Uh, briefly, what are some some of those ways that people can do that with charitable planning? Right. So the probably the most common thing that we see is when a person or a couple want to donate their home to charity, mm-hmm. but they really need a place to live in the meantime. So, right. So there is a process that's called a life estate. So a Think of it in terms of I'm going to change the title and transfer ownership to a charity, but I still own the asset from the standpoint of I get to live in it and enjoy it for the rest of my life. And it's a cup, if it's a couple, it's the second to die. Mm-hmm. So if one of them passes, the, the surviving owner can still live there as long as they, as they want to stay in the home 
they still owe the taxes, they still have to do the maintenance, but the big advantage is they get a charitable deduction from their taxes in the year they make the gift. Okay. So, so a life estate is a way to say, I want to go ahead and I'm committed to this charity. I want to go ahead and make it now. I want to make the deduction now. I want to uh, enjoy just living there, but knowing that this this asset is going to go to where I want it to go when the Lord calls me home, or I eventually have to move out because of health or other reasons. Okay, so a lot of people think that their kids are a charity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now you're talking from experience, Todd. Yeah. I can tell. So, <laughs> Richard, w- what if uh, we want to give away stuff, money, assets to our, our family? Uh, what are the tax consequences there, or, or what should we look out for? Uh, first off, I'm going to bite on that hook. Um, when you mentioned the uh, give to your, your kids, uh, or perhaps it's a relative who's fallen on, on tough times. Mm-hmm. So is that going to be a charitable contribution? And the answer to that is no, because they're not recognized as an exempt organization under, under the IRS. Right. So, oh, but I thought I was helping out. Well, you should have read the tax rules. So, <laughs> so uh, you did a great thing, a wonderful thing, but in the eyes of the IRS, you get no deduction. So no soup for you. Uh, with regard to being able to give something, first off, who is the uh, person who's going to pay the gift tax? Because there is a gift tax if it goes over $15,000 to an individual person. Is that one time? No, that's every year. You can do it every year. Mm-hmm. So so if you go over a $15,000 uh, gift to someone, who pays the tax? The recipient? You would think it would be the recipient because I was benefited. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's the person who grants the gift who's who's taxed. Well, what, that doesn't seem fair. I'm just telling you what the rule is. Uh, <laughs> don't life, shoot the messenger. Yeah, don't yeah. shoot the messenger. That's just the way life, life, like uh, as life is. But there are things around it you can use um, depending on the size of the uh, of the gift. You can stagger it, as I mentioned, over a couple of years. If there's a, a husband and wife there, one of them is your child. You can give 15 to, to the to the child and 15 to the spouse. Uh, so you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can use up against the uh, the lifetime exclusion on your estate, and you can do it that way. So, so if you want to add that to your uh, exclusion amount, your lifetime exclusion amount, then you need to file a seven hundred nine gift tax return, right? Right. So, some people may not pay tax today, but they still have to keep track of it and file the the report. Exactly. Yeah, and the. The uh, annual gift amount is per person. Exactly. So if it's a married couple, like let's take grandparents, for example, who I am proud to say that I am. We have five granddaughters. Uh, we could give $15,000 to each grandchild from me and 15000 from my wife. So that's how, if you know, again, depending on individual situation, if you're trying to reduce your estate, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, or if you just want to, you're going to make the gifts anyway. Right. You know, if you're going to give your grandson or granddaughter a car, you know, make sure it's under 15000 If it's over, then you have to go see your CPA to file the, the report, the return. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I was going to get back to something that we talked about before, too, Todd, and I intended to and forgot. The, the $300 that on the 1040, mm-hmm. is that for a married couple? That would be uh, each. Each. Yeah. Okay. So a couple could, could do 600 Right. Okay. Okay. That's good clarification. Um, other ways of combining family and charity – and giving uh, upon death, uh, there's ways to do that, too, using trusts, right? Yes. So um, the the one that I'd like to start out talking about, if, if this is okay, Todd, mm-hmm. is a um, what's called a charitable remainder trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, a charitable remainder trust is a, is a great tool to use. Uh, for people who want to make a a gift, and it can be made now. So, if someone wants to set up a charitable remainder trust, they can they can do that. 
so what it essentially is is you take an asset, hopefully an appreciated asset, like we talked about already mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. benefits of that, set up a charitable remainder trust, and then the donor, if it's a couple, th- let's think in terms of couples because that's the typical case that we get with this, is the couple will then receive income from the trust that they just set up using the asset that they just donated and got a, an income tax deduction for. They get a, and in Texas, it's 5% back to them in, as income each year for as long as either one of them lives. Okay. So as long as either one of the couple is living, they get 5% back from the asset that they just donated. Now, the income is treated as ordinary income, but they still are accumulating the the, the benefit of that. And it's called a charitable remainder trust because the remainder that's left after the second of the couple is called to heaven that remainder goes to the charity or charities that they specified when they set up the trust. So that's why they got the tax deduction when they made the gift. Mm-hmm. So they benefit by getting increased income, they get a charitable tax deduction, and they're building up value for the charity or charities of their choice sometime later, and they've already specified who those recipients are going to be. And, again, people may think, well, these are fancy terms and it doesn't apply to me. It's a, it's a really simple way to set up. We at Legacy Deo, we can help set that up. If someone wants to do that, they can go see their attorney like Todd um, to do that. And then the other way that we use charitable trusts is to uh, we see them put into uh, – at a state. So when mm-hmm. someone, it's called a testamentary charitable trust so that uh, when people pass, they can set up the trust. The their, They then name who's going to receive income for up to 20 years. Like a child. Like a child, typically. Mm-hmm. It would be a child. And then, the again, the charitable, the eventual charitable recipient will get the remainder of that trust uh, once that's done. Okay. So those are good ways to pass things on to charity if you have a charitable intent and to take care of family at the same time. Right. I would like to mention, you, you, he was talking uh, uh, at length on the trust. Uh, guess what? That does have a form filing requirement as well. It's going to be on Form 1041. And depending on the fiscal year end that you choose, going to be the 15th day of the fourth month following the end of that. So Yeah, that's a good point. When you set up uh, an irrevocable trust during your lifetime, that, that irrevocable trust has its own tax return, and right. the trustee should be the one to take care of the administrative stuff. Right, and Le- Legacy Deal actually does, does that mm-hmm. administration on behalf of because we become the trustee, therefore we file the trust tax return. Okay, so talk more about the the resources that Legacy Deo has as trustee and, and everything sure. that goes into administration. Yeah, sure. Uh, Todd, it's it's quite a bit. Uh, I, I want to, while I'm thinking about it, I want to I refer people to LegacyDeo.org. So it's just all one word, Legacy, D-E-O, Deo. Dot org and there's a lot of explanation there about who we are as a charitable foundation. Uh, so one of the, the 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 primary thing that we do, or the first thing that we do, is when someone makes a gift to a trust, let's say, then we acknowledge that gift back to the donor. So therefore, they have something that they can use to claim their like a letter, like a letter. It's a, mm-hmm. so they can then claim their their uh, charitable deduction and then we we do not invest the assets ourselves we have uh, investment uh, advisors who advise us on where the assets should go based on the uh, you know financial condition of the um, of the uh, foundation and what the needs are of the person that made the gift because some people 
want monthly income. Some people, if it's a trust, want monthly income. Some people want annual income. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have many other instruments as well. So we have an investment advisor that advises on where the funds should go and then in turn investment managers that manage the funds at the direction of the advisor. So so that's another function that we perform is the then we have to do reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we report we we report not only to IRS but we have quarterly reports that we give to all the donors so that they know the status of their right. of of their uh, gift that they made and then we do a lot of education. We we make a lot of uh, presentations to various organizations, uh, churches, and other uh, organizations that are interested in perhaps establishing an endowment, which is something we haven't really even had the chance to talk about yet. But uh, an endowment is something, I'm just going to throw it out there as a term, it's something that you can use. It's a gift that keeps on giving. If you're a charitable organization and you want to get an income stream in perpetuity, consider an endowment. And so if you're the president of your congregation or the equivalent, if you're a pastor, you can reach out to LegacyDeo.org and have a presentation scheduled and and learn more about it so that you can um, give your members the option of creating a gift that will continue giving. Absolutely. Thank you guys for joining me. I I know it's been a race to the end. We had (laughs) more to talk about than we had time. Uh, Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.